Heavenly Father, indeed we are children of you. As the reading has said and as we have just sung, Lord, we thank you that we are sons and daughters of you, Lord. We pray that you may lead us into your word this morning and teach us from it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but uh, I often look around the world and I feel a bit overwhelmed. Uh, there's so many things going on, so many things that maybe aren't of God or we, we are uncomfortable with. And where's our place in this? Do we just, uh, like most people, just keep our head down and say nothing? Or, as we're going to see in this reading, are we actually children of God? Are we actually serving somebody who is king over all authorities. Uh, we come this morning, this is, reading is from the lectionary. I love the lectionary because it gives a little bit of discipline about what we're going to teach from. Uh, we also heard about Elijah and Elisha over the last few weeks, uh, and Reverend uh, Norman uh, Jardine mentioned about the moon landing, which we're also celebrating. So I'm going to weave some of these things in, but let's just look at our, our reading this morning. Uh, I want to center around four key areas and don't worry, I, I plan not to keep you too late. Um, our first thing this morning, spiritual fullness in Christ. Paul's getting excited. The line of thought moves by a process of growth and development. The opening statement serves as a summary of what is to come. Verse 6, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you are taught, overflowing with thankfulness. You see, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is God's image, God's wisdom, God's mystery. And we've all received it in becoming Christians. We have received the message of Jesus as true and confessed him as saving from sin and being Lord and God. And therefore, we've become part of this church, part of this wonderful uh, international body of Christ. Paul says we are rooted in Christ, which is a once and for all event. He then says that we're built up. He actually says we're being built up. This is a continuous thing in the, in the original Greek. So rest assured, Christ is building us up into him. And the thankfulness, don't forget it either, because often when we're thankful and we're worshiping as we've just done, we sense God and we feel his presence all the more. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. It's interesting, the actual wordplay of take you captive is actually in the Greek, it's actually quite close to the word synagogue. So maybe Paul is getting at the, these Judaizers who are coming in and saying, okay, believers in Colossae, you've become Christians, but you also need to become Jewish. And Paul knows that they don't have to become Jewish. They don't have to go through the circumcision, through the, all the different rites and rituals, because Christ has fulfilled all those things. Because these depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. You see, Paul is giving us the fulfillment of these things in Christ. He is telling us that once we have faith in him, that we don't need these particular rituals. We put our trust uh, not in, in living out by works. Remember that if you're saved by grace, you don't need to then uh, do the next stage of, of living by works and trying to please God all the time. Because there's, there's a real truth that Paul's getting across here. It's like a tree putting down its roots into living water. That's what we do. And we put our, our roots down into Jesus. That's our key aim and what we are to do. Now, yes, the fruit will come, but the fruit 
is a, is a byproduct, it's a result. Uh, and uh, we, our behavior will improve, but don't uh, get over uh, emphasizing on, on the behavior and, and all these things. The key thing is Jesus. Jesus is everything, and the more we get to know him, the more things uh, that, like that will happen naturally. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. The second point I want to bring out this morning is he is the head of every authority. Now, this is very apt in Colossae because there are all these other deities and all these false uh, pagan gods. But Paul's saying, look, you don't need them because Jesus is head over everything. These are false gods anyway, but you don't need to be a Christian and also to uh, worship at the other temples or also, or also to worry about these other, these other false gods. You see, we know as Christians that it's a waste of time to worship these false gods, but Paul's just reiterating that, look, even if they existed, Christ is above all. And maybe in our own lives, we have other false gods. We, we think that we need to do particular things to get on in life, maybe in our work, maybe in politics, maybe in society. But remember that Christ is head over all things. And may that give us encouragement when we see a world that seems to be ignoring him. All power structures, political, social, or racial, have the potential to become rivals to Christ, beckoning his followers to submit themselves to them in order to find fuller security. But that invitation is both blasphemous and unnecessary because there can be no rivals with Jesus. And besides, we need no one but him anyway. See, in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was cut off when you were circumcised by Christ. Do you see the bluntness of Paul's language? He's saying, look, you don't need a medical procedure here. You don't need to get circumcision. Because spiritually, Christ has already taken off the old. He's taken off the, whole, the old sinful nature. He's thrown it away. And you no longer need to go back to that. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Remember that we serve a God who can raise us from the dead. And all the other powers and principalities can't do that. We serve a risen Savior and we serve an almighty God. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. It's already done. It's already paid for. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, these verses apply this to the situation with Colossians for when as Gentile Christians, Christ's victory on the cross means freedom from the tyranny of forces around them. They were not uh, overawed because they already knew God. And the third thing I want to look at this morning, if God is in charge, we have significance. I know the world can overwhelm us, but remember who we've just talked about, that Christ is head over all powers and principalities. Now, if you forgive me, I want to nip back into the story of Elijah and Elisha just for a few minutes, because if you heard of Obadiah, I don't think you've maybe heard many sermons on Obadiah. See, Elijah gets all the, uh, all the publicity, because he brought down fire from heaven. Uh, he was searched after by the wicked King Ahab, 
who was putting the followers of God to death. Uh, we see Ahab too, he, remember, where he had an innocent man killed just to get his vineyard. This was a wicked king. And yes, we hear about Elijah, but have you ever heard of Obadiah? You see, 1 Kings chapter 18 talks about uh, Obadiah. Now, the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land through all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we'll not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover. Ahab went in one direction, Obadiah in another. Obadiah was a civil servant. He worked in the government. He was just out on a normal government business trying to find water. But we're also told that Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. And while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, he hid some of them. So here we have somebody who follows God in a wicked government. And let us just remember that as our government and as things overwhelm us, may we remember Obadiah that if we think we have it bad, he had it terrible. All it took was a knock on the door and Obadiah was disappeared. Never heard tell of again. So came okay, maybe for Elijah out in the fields, being searched after by Ahab's soldiers. Obadiah is right under Ahab's nose. Obadiah doesn't get mentioned much in sermons, but he's the hero of this particular story. Obadiah was walking along and Elijah meets him. Obadiah recognizes him, bows down to the ground and said, is it really you, my Lord, Elijah? See, he knew who Elijah was because he was a fellow believer. But Elijah says, go tell your master Elijah is here. What? what? Hold on. <laughs> what? Uh, I bet you Obadiah had to get him to repeat that. Go and tell Ahab that I'm here. Ah, no, 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 no. I'm keeping my head down. I'm being faithful. I'm hiding the prophets, but there's no way I'm going to a wicked king who, who will have my head cut off. But Elijah convinces him. And Obadiah sets up the meeting with Elijah. Elijah then calls all the prophets to Mount Carmel, and the rest is history. But if it hadn't been for Obadiah, yes, Elijah had all the, the miracles and all the fire down from heaven, but he didn't have the contacts. But Obadiah had the contacts. It's interesting too, uh, there's a couple of little stories uh, from, from more contemporary. Uh, Lizzie Jukes is a Christian and a liberal Democrat councillor from Chester, and she had an idea a few years ago that, look, there are tax breaks for all the rich, but what about the poor? Why don't we just put the, the tax threshold up from, it was about £6,000 at the time, let's just raise it so that more people at the lower end can be taken out of poverty. And through her contacts, Nick Clegg got to hear of it, the coalition government happened, and that's now government policy. If you notice your tax return now, you don't pay tax until you're earning about 10 or 12,000 pounds. So it's a, it's a small thing, but it brought a lot of people out of paying tax, and it was an idea, and it was also the contacts. So don't underestimate how God can use you wherever you are, either in work or in retirement uh, or in school. Remember that God can use you. And if you think that uh, we're on the losing side, um, I have another little story which came out of New Wine there last week. Oh, by the way, to Stalin. Remember Stalin, that terrible Russian leader who sent many people to their deaths? Uh, I understand that his daughter became a Christian. Uh, and also... An interesting one about Desmond Morris. Desmond Morris, if you remember from the 1960s, he wrote the book The Naked Ape, 
which sought to do away with a belief in God. It was talking about evolution. Now, I haven't read the book, so I cannot really do a critique on the book. But he was somebody who didn't believe in God. And it's interesting that his former house has recently been bought over by a Christian organization involved in world evangelism. You see, God has a sense of humor. And here's a spoiler alert. If you've read the Bible, God wins. And whatever you're facing today, remember that God wins. So that's just a wee bit of encouragement. Um, and the fourth thing I want to say this morning, if we are God's children, let's shout it out. Let's not be cowed. Let's not be overwhelmed or overburdened. Uh, we heard from uh, Norman Jardine last week about the moon landings, and I couldn't resist this little story. Maybe you've heard it before, but on Apollo 11, and uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, the first men who set foot on the moon, well, Buzz Aldrin was a Christian, uh, and uh, he had asked for uh, communion from his, his church back in Webster Presbyterian Church in Houston, Texas. He'd asked if he could celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection over the radio while he was on the moon mission, Apollo 11. Now, NASA were wary of this because the atheist uh, Madeleine Murray O'Hare had sued NASA the year before because I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a wonderful thing in Apollo 8 where they're circling around the Earth and the astronauts are reading from Genesis and talking about the creation story. Now, understandably, maybe uh, this activist said, well, look, it's a government organization. Government and religion are supposed to be separate. You can't do that. And she successfully sued NASA. So along comes uh, Buzz Aldrin. He wants to give glory to God, so he has to do it in radio silence. And that's what he does. In the radio blackout, I opened the little plastic packages which contained the bread and the wine. I poured the wine into the chalice our church had given me. In the one-sixth gravity of the moon, the wi wine curled slowly and gracefully up the side of the cup. Can you imagine it? Uh, communion here will never be the same again when we imagine the wine going up. Uh, it was interesting to think that the very first liquid ever poured on the moon and the first food eaten there were communion elements. Now, okay, um, oh, sorry, I'll just carry on. So before I partook of the elements, I read the words uh, about Jesus being the true vine. Um, and he said that, look, we might be going into space, but we're first acting in Christ. Christ comes first. And I know there are maybe atheists or people who don't believe in God. And they said, well, look, that was just his belief. But remember, these men were in terrible danger. They didn't know if they were going to come home. But remember that also, too, that uh, they followed Christ uh, and that Christ had, had uh, one of his followers, uh, one of the first men on the moon. May that be an encouragement to us. May it also be an encouragement that Buzz wasn't just going to be quiet about it. And he actually had communion uh, on the Apollo 11 uh, uh, mission. So just finally, and uh, we're just going to really sort of uh, finish with the reading really, but uh, freedom from human rules. Because Paul says, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that have now come. Now, how we interpret that it can be maybe challenging to us. But what he's saying here is, look, put your roots in Christ. Christ is everything. Christ is the be-all and end-all. Now, thankfully, we are a church where there's no dress code, there's no particular requirement for you to come in. And I do believe that God pours out his love, and that's really our job. Our job is to pour out his love 
uh, to allow people to belong to us uh, as, as a congregation, uh, trying to faithfully seek and serve God. And all people are welcome. Now, yes, do come uh, and belong and, and enjoy the fellowship. Now, we do know also that God will not leave you alone uh, and that he will bring you to know his son. And we know that um, uh, we can also uh, believe. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's for him to do. He's to speak in your hearts and to bring you into the realization that Jesus is Lord and that he has power over all these principalities. Have faith in that because he is. Uh, the interesting thing is that even just the, the term deity. It's not divinity which can be put on someone perhaps, but it's deity. Jesus is who he says he is. He is actually God. So let's trust him to bring our friends into that saving faith with him. And yes, then we do tend to all behave quite alike. We do tend to give up our old habits. We do tend to put off, as Paul describes it as circumcision, put off our, our worldly uh, or our sinful nature. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And let's trust him to do that as well. So hopefully a word of encouragement this morning. This wonderful letter to the Colossians where he was saying, look, you don't need these other false religions. You don't need your false Roman gods. You just need Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that there's a witness to you right in Apollo 11. There's a witness to you right in Obadiah in the wicked King Ahab's government. And Lord, wherever we find ourselves, may we know that you are in our hearts, that you are wanting to be known, and that you draw all men unto yourself, for you are indeed over all powers and principalities. In Jesus' name, amen.